Hello, everybody. Just a very quick one about Instagram. If you're on it, Meta, the parent company, is reducing the number of political posts visible to users on their feed. This is a real thing, not a hoax. So go to your Instagram profile, tap the three horizontal lines in the top right corner to open the settings tab, scroll down to what you see, click on content preferences, open political content, and turn on don't limit political content. That's an option. Otherwise, you won't see almost anything we post because we are deemed political. Please do that now or you won't even see the posts about our shows, our fun things. So if you want to see Guilty Feminist content and know when we're coming to a place near you, releasing a new podcast, do it now. We wanted to dedicate this episode to a fan of The Guilty Feminist. She came to see the show live and we went and had drinks with her and... She came to my show as well um, when I was up north in Manchester. I went to have drinks with her and her friend Hannah. And she was really amazing. And uh, Hannah said that the, the podcast really helped her and her friend uh, come to feminism and find a voice for feminism. And they talked about it all the time. Um, so I'd really like to dedicate this episode to Helena, who sadly died. Um, uh, she had an accident and died, and Hannah contacted me and let me know. And we decided to dedicate the last episode um, that I was doing with Sophie to her because it was about women coming together, talking to each other about things that matter to us. So, uh, Helena, thank you very much for being our fan, and uh, we're going to miss you. Sophie doesn't let anyone touch her. That was yeah. such a big deal. <laughs> Did someone get a photo of that? Did someone get a photo of that? She doesn't let anyone touch her. I'm a feminist. But while I was delighted that Elizabeth Gilbert, author of Eat, Pray, Love, came out as a lesbian, saying she'd fallen in love with her best friend, I was also kind of annoyed that she chose to come out last week when a broadsheet newspaper were about to run a story about me because she knocked me into next week. <laughs> I want to see the sequel now to that film. There's one, there's one person who like that. Uh, my, I, the ones I'm reading out are submitted by uh, our listeners. <laughs> They're not mine. But <clears throat> I'm a feminist, but when my new boyfriend... Oh, that's how you know it's not me. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Oh God. I'm a feminist, but when my new boyfriend gave a t-shirt that said princess <laughs> in sequence for my birthday, I pretended to like it because it also came with a mini break to Paris. Fair enough. Yeah, fair enough. I think that's fair. <laughs> I'm a feminist, but recently on the Guilty Feminist podcast group, when I referred to being a third wave feminist... Someone said, why, aren't you a fourth wave feminist? And I said, I totally am. <laughs> and then I looked it up <laughs> and saw it was basically third wave feminism except with Twitter and podcasts and stuff, <laughs> which I probably should have known because I kind of have a feminist podcast. <laughs> I totally knew that. <laughs> this is also a submission. I'm a feminist, but when I delivered my feminist manifesto at my student union, I wore my lucky knickers because there was a guy there I wanted to pull. <laughs> they worked. <laughs> Isn't lucky knickers no knickers? It is for you, clearly. <laughs> I'm a feminist... But earlier today, when I was telling someone about the Bechdel test, she repeated it back to me as the rectal test. <laughs> and I didn't correct her because I was too embarrassed. So now she's basically going to be telling other people about why all feminists should be having a rectal exam <laughs> and seeing their horrified faces at parties. <laughs> she, did, she just went, oh, the, the, okay, so the rectal test. And I thought... I just froze. I was just like, rectal, no. But I just was like, how can I say 
how can I explain without this being the worst conversation anyone's ever had? So I just kept talking. We can save that. We can save that. Okay, one of you makes a Wikipedia page now uh, about why rectal tests are important for feminism. You think of a reason. And then we're all going to hashtag about it till it becomes a thing. Hashtag rectal health. <laughs> I'm a feminist, but when a man catcalled me on the street, I told him off until I realized he was shouting at someone else. And I got really embarrassed and I apologized. That one was mine. So, <laughs> live from the London Podcast Festival, the This is The Guilty Feminist, the podcast in which we explore our noble goals as 21st century feminists and the hypocrisies and insecurities which undermine them. Oh my God, I, I told Deborah this backstage. I took the bus here and the bus was stopping and I thought, huh, this is where my ex-boyfriend lives. Huh, oh, there he is. And, and la like, I'm very introverted and I'm like scared of, like, I would never say anything like loud in public, but I just went, fuck, no, no. Like, <laughs> like I was like kicking the bus and the, everyone was like, what the, what's, what's happening? And then he, he what, came Did you on, say it that loudly on the yeah, bus? Yeah. I, 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 you I, shouted, I, fuck, no. I said, fuck, no, fuck, no. Like, in that loudness. Wow. No, on no, no. I haven't seen him since because I'm really trying to not, not to. And then he came up and I was like, oh, hi. <laughs> and the rest of the bus were like, we know. <laughs> and they could just see me for like a 40-minute bus ride, me going, oh, that's so interesting. So what are, you, what, are you, what are you doing now? Are you well? Oh, you've been on a date. That's great. That's so great. <laughs> Who tells their ex-girlfriend about a date? Oh, that's such a passive-aggressive move. Isn't and it? It's, it's basically saying, this is still not happening. So just to let you know, I'm Tinder. I, I broke up. Just, can I just... Yeah, yeah, but that's, of okay. course, you broke up with him. That's so why he's, he's like, having this is to still prove. not happening. I'm like, I know. Yeah. <laughs> it's but my choice. He's having to prove to you that he's, I mean, just to be clear, I'm dating other people now because you, you broke up with him. <laughs> just wanted to know it's been a year and I think we should start seeing other people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I feel like that's what's happening. Shall we start? Yeah, we, let's Today do we're going to talk about the Bechdel test. Oh, so exciting. Are you going to talk about what it is in uh, the... I am, yeah, I am. Good, so, so we, we don't should. need to explain it now. So. Yeah. yeah, I mean, most people, I guess, will know what the Bechdel test is, but many people won't, and there's, if you don't know, there's no reason why you should know. It's something that everyone hears about for the first time, like sex, at some point. Uh, so, uh, shall I just what? do some... Yes. Welcome to the stage, Deborah Francis White! <laughs> Uh, so the Bechdel test is a test that was designed by Alison Bechdel in a comic strip Dykes to Watch Out For in 1985, although she credits a friend with it. It's a test for movies. And the first rule of the test is, does the movie have two named female characters? Two female characters who have names. <laughs> That's a low fucking bar, isn't it? <laughs> Because I personally prefer it if the movies I watch at the end as the credits roll, I prefer it if the women have names like Crazy Mom or Scatty Shop Girl or Feisty Gran. These are the names that women are often given in movies and sometimes guys are given those names in movies as well but generally also there are a hundred guys in the movie who have actual names. The second rule is that two named women have to have a conversation with each other. Okay? They have to talk to each other. But that conversation has to be about something other than a man. Because nearly all the conversations that women have in movies are about men. So if two women are allowed to speak to each other, which they're normally not, uh, when they speak, it has to be about something other than a man. But this is not a mark of quality. People always think, ah, oh, that makes it a good movie. It doesn't. Uh, here's an example. This is some dialogue from a movie that I watched yesterday that passes the Bechdel test. Hi, Amy. What are you up to? Hi, Sylvia. I'm just trying to take a nap, but I can't get to sleep. Should I massage your shoulders? Would that help? <laughs> oh, thanks. Hmm, great. You like that? I like that. You want me to massage down lower? Laughter. Oh, that feels good. 
You want good? I've got more. But don't you need to sleep? I'm not sleepy anymore. Now... That was from a movie called uh, The Nap. Um, it, was a, it was a 1978 black, black and white indie um, movie. It's a charming film. You should get it out. Basically, all lesbian porn of any sort where the characters speak and don't just, you know, shag each other, all passes the Bechdel test. It doesn't mean this movie is a good movie, and also, it doesn't, if it's a lesbian porn film, it doesn't mean it's not a good movie. Just to be incredibly inclusive... I don't want tweets saying, but lesbian porn is good. I know lesbian porn is good. I'm well acquainted with... I'm not. I'm not. I don't watch porn. I don't know why I've said that. I'm in a hole. I'm in a hole. I'm in an inclusion hole. I'm in an inclusion hole. I'm digging and I'm falling deeper into the inclusion hole. But basically, that is the case. Any movie where two women speak to each other passes the Bechdel test. So it's not saying a movie is good if it it passes and it's bad if it doesn't. It's just identifying that over half of movies don't pass this basic test. That movies are so about a male experience that if a woman speaks, she basically speaks to a man or she doesn't have a name or she speaks to a woman and goes oh aren't men amazing um everyone said midnight in paris past do you know this movie it's a woody allen movie this is why the movie passed the bechdel test there was a mother owen wilson's girlfriend's mother and they're in a shop and the mother says come and look at these inez wouldn't these be charming in a malibu beach house and there's some chairs there And then her daughter goes, "Mm." (laughs) mmm. And then the mother says, there are steel at $18,000. And then she says, what's that? And then Owen Wilson says, $18,000 for this, and mansplains why she's wrong to want them. (laughs) That movie passes the Bechdel test. That's how low the bar is. And in that movie is also depicted Gertrude Stein... Uh, who is one of the most famous writers and lesbians of her era, she doesn't get to talk to another woman. Um, She just talks to men and they basically mansplain philosophy to her. Um, And that's how that movie works. Does anyone ever watch uh, Feminist Frequency? It's on YouTube. She did this uh, great, great video. She suggests that we have a one-minute rule, that the conversation has to go on for one minute. And that's going to change the Bechdel test. So she suggested this in 2012 and nothing's happened. Um, So what I'm going to suggest today is that we all tweet the Bechdel test has to have a one-minute conversation so it's not just women admiring soft furnishings. Because at the moment, that's what it is. That's what it is to pass. And there's movies like Moneyball. It's it's a movie about men talking about sport. There's no reason it would pass the Bechdel test. And what we don't want to do is just insert into those movies just two random characters who come in and go, Hi, Louise. How's work? I like work. I enjoy work also. And then they leave and you never see them again. We don't want that. But we want regular movies that aren't female movies, that aren't male movies, to have two women in them who talk to each other about something other than a man for a minimum of 60 seconds. So what we're going to do, this audience, and uh, when this podcast goes out, we're going to try and hashtag 60-second rule, hashtag Bechdel test, and link to that video. And we're going to see if we can get that upped so that by the year 2020, that's the thing. It will take about four years. Thank you very much. I feel bad for starting this podcast uh, with talking about a guy. Oh, yeah. We, I'm this sorry. This theme is the Bechdel test, and actually all we've talked about so far is a man on a bus. That is and true. And his date. And his date. That's true. We didn't yeah. talk about a woman there, the yeah. woman that you hate. I don't hate her. See, this passes the Bechdel test. <laughs> not, doesn't, it's not a mark of quality. So, Sophie, challenges for yeah. the Bechdel test. What was your Bechdel test challenge? Oh, it's, it hurt. Like, it's a test that hurts because if you're not aware of it, you, you just, it just doesn't make sense to notice it. So I watched my favorite TV show and my favorite movie to see if they passed. Huh. I should have known because my favorite movie is by Quentin Tarantino, who's like, he's like, oh, you. He's one of those people that I don't watch any interviews with or hear any podcast because I know the second he opens his mouth, it, I'm probably not going to like what he has to say, but I love his film. It's my guilty pleasure. But So I watched uh, Django. It didn't pass. And uh, then I watched uh, the new TV show Fargo. didn't pass. And you would have thought it would. It was, it's really sad. It's really sad. But then and I thought, I don't... The only thing I can do is create stuff. 
Uh, and as I was having that thought, I got an email from a friend of mine saying, do you want to do a play next Edinburgh? And then, I don't know why, but then I remember, <laughs> I thought, when was the last time I saw a play? And that was when I was eight. And <laughs> I'm very cultural. And that play, it was a filmed play, it was a movie, uh, <laughs> that I saw when I was a child. And I used to watch this on, on VHS, and I would like watch it again and again and again. It was my favorite thing, because it was hilarious. And it was basically just about two couples, heterosexual couples, and then the, the man and the woman, uh, from each couple got drunk together and tried to make their partners jealous. And that's the whole thing. But it was just my favorite thing to watch. And I think it's what got me into comedy because it was so, I, I loved it so much. And I looked it up and it's based, it was a Danish uh, play, movie slash thing. And, uh, and I looked it up and it's based on a, an English play. Uh, and I'm trying to get the screenplay and I don't know how this works, but I want to rewrite it and make it this, you know, like two lesbian couples, interracial, uh, it's not gonna be about making their partners jealous, it's gonna be about something else, and, and I just wanna make it this fourth wave feminism thing. <laughs> and I wanna Aren't, re you, I wanna aren't re you gonna make it fifth wave yes, feminism? Yes, that's, that's the one with that one. Yeah. Yeah. I just feel like you're really behind the times with fourth. Yeah. I've just invented fifth. <laughs> I, want to, I basically want to, I want to rewrite my childhood and uh, make it pass the Bechdel test. That's what I'm going to do. I don't know if it's going to be next year. Or what year I, I don't know how it works, how easy it's going but to be. But you started that process. To, you're going to try yeah. and get the rights, and you're going to try and rewrite something that didn't yeah. pass and make it something that oh, passes. Yeah. That's great. That's a great challenge. Yeah. And we will all go and see that when it comes out. I'll uh, let you know how it goes. <laughs> Very good. My challenge, well, my challenge was um, I went round to my friend's house and her little girl was there and I was wearing a Guilty Feminist t-shirt that says, some days even my life doesn't pass the Bechdel test, which was the very first time a feminist bar I ever did. And she was looking at my shirt, she's seven, and she went, what's the Bechdel test? And I said, the Bechdel test. And I said, well, do you ever watch movies? And uh, she said, yes. And I said, are there more boys in them or girls in them? And she sort of thought about it and she said, sometimes there's girls like in Frozen and sometimes there's boys. And I said, do the girls talk to each other a lot? So we started thinking about movies and, um, and I said, because if two girls in the movie only ever talk about boys, it doesn't really reflect life, does it? Because you would talk to your girlfriends about other things. And she went, oh yeah. And so we talked about all her favorite movies and we went through them. We said, so now we're going to watch out for that. And then later in the day, I did a puppet show with her. And we were doing her puppets. And I was playing a girl puppet. She was playing a girl puppet. And then there was a boy puppet who left. And I started talking about the boy puppet. And she said, let's not talk about him, because then we won't pass the Bechdel test. <laughs> Which was fucking amazing. <laughs> um, so then I had a gig the Comedy Club for Kids. Do you guys know Comedy Club for Kids? If you've got kids, it's great. Basically, it's regular comedians, but you go on and you do kid-friendly material. And it's not patronising. It's not like a children's show. Like, I often talk to them, you know, about the fact that they won't ever own real estate. Um, <laughs> and, unless, unless, unless their parents die. But I do advise them that it doesn't matter how their parents die. <laughs> And so I went out on stage in this T-shirt and I said, boys, do you talk to each other? And they went, yes. And I said, do you only talk about girls? And they went, no. I said, do you ever talk about girls? They said, yes. I said, do you only talk about girls? They said, no. And I, then I said, girls, do you talk to each other? Yes. Is it only about boys? They went, no. <laughs> what else do you talk about? And I got the girls shouting out things they talked about. And they were like, playtime and hamsters. Hamsters are very popular. They were obsessed <laughs> with hamsters. This one girl just kept shouting out, hamsters. Um, <laughs> She's going to be a serial killer. <laughs> Which is good, because there's only male serial killers. <laughs> good on her for representing. Yeah, hashtag representation. <laughs> and uh, I was like, shout out your favourite movies. Like, do you notice in these movies, girls usually only talk about boys? And they were like, oh, that's... They just thought about it, and they were like, yeah, that's not right. And I said, um, so what's your favourite movies? You shout out your favourite movies, and I'll tell you if they pass the Bechdel test or not. And I had sort of someone on Google. And the first child shouted out, Sunshine on Leith. No fucking kidding, because Comedy Club for Kids is pretty middle class. And, 
And I was like, Sunshine on Leith? I haven't even seen that. It's like an indie. And I was like, OK, I was expecting, like, Lion King. <laughs> anyway, we talked on for a while about it and they were shouting out their movies and then I got them out. I said, OK, let's improvise scenes that would pass the Bechdel test. So I would get two girls out on stage and I would shout out, could we have a topic, please? And someone would shout, hamsters! <laughs> and, then, and then the girls would just improvise a little scene, like, can I pet your hamster? Oh, he's sick at the moment. I'll be careful. Okay, pet, pet. Um, I think he's better now. And then they give the hamster back. And basically, I know how that hamster got sick. <laughs> basically, that little serial killer. Kid. No, she was lovely. And if you are listening, Ms. Mother of the Hamster Child, sleep with one eye open. No, <laughs> she's not just get that a child who wants a hamster. And. Uh, and then I said to the girls, so, you know, watch for these movies. Then I said, boys, do you just want to watch movies in which girls only talk about boys? And they said, no. And I said, firstly, every time you watch a movie, ask yourself, does it pass the Bechdel test? And I said, if it doesn't, what should you do? And a boy shouted, don't watch it. And I said, well, that's an extreme measure. Like, <laughs> and, and great. But I said, you might not know when you start the film if it does or not. It doesn't. I said, but... You know, now you can contact all of the people who make the movies because they're all on, you know, <laughs> Twitter and, you know, you can write in, email them. I said, so you could get your mum or dad to write in and just say, hey, I really like this movie, but it didn't pass the Bechdel test. And I think it would be great if it did because it doesn't really reflect how, you know, my life works. Um, so maybe you could write in and tell them. And then they all became really active and like, yeah, movies are going to pass the Bechdel test until it became a little bit like a rally. <laughs> And then I brought on the next act, because I thought, good, good too, good timing. Because uh, I think some of the parents have gone, oh, this has really turned into a political <laughs> event. Um, but they were really, really into it. And actually, and then Isabel Adam, who runs it, said, I just absolutely love that you did that. I really want you to, you know, come back and do that again and kind of work it into a routine because it was so much fun and so funny. But also, they all learned something. And they will not forget it, because they workshopped Bechdel test scenes. So that was my challenge. My challenge is the next generation coming up will demand better. All eight of them. That's amazing. I will demand that. That's great. Hello, Guilty Feminists. It's Deborah. I am briefly interrupting this episode to let you know three things. One, if you are in Melbourne, we are recording an episode live at the Wheeler Centre and you can buy tickets for it. It's this Thursday night. That's February the 23rd. You can go to trybooking.com. My guest co-host in Melbourne will be Celia Picola and our very special guest will be Cal Wilson. So please book tickets now, trybooking.com. Also, if you'd like to come to our include yourself event it's a women's leadership day for the guilty feminist we're having that in may go to guiltyfeminist.com and you can find out more about that and finally the guilty feminist has been nominated for a chortle award this is incredibly exciting uh, but we need you to vote if you'd like us to win so if you go to chortle.co.uk there are details there about how to vote you don't have to vote for all the categories vote for any that you fancy but please vote for us we're in the internet podcast category and we would absolutely love your vote. And while you're there, if you would like to vote for my BBC Radio 4 show, it's Deborah Francis-White, Rolls the Dice. There are lots of other lovely Guilty Feminist guests you could vote for too. So please do that while you're there. And we look forward to receiving all of your votes. If you would like feminism to win, uh, who doesn't want feminism to win? And now back to the episode. That's the Bechtel test. Should we invite on our fabulous guest? Yes, I'm so excited. She is a shit-hot stand-up comedian. Uh, she's an incredible actor. She's a writer and is now becoming a filmmaker, which is very exciting. Uh, she lives in Los Angeles, so we're so excited to get her here. We did not fly her here business class. Uh, just to be clear, she happened to be here and was just so, so, so excited. I've been trying to get her as a guest for a million years. Put your hands together, make general woohooing and stamping noises for Andy Osho! <laughs> I'm suddenly really aware that I'm in the only person here with a hat on. Like, <laughs> like it, when I left, it was such a good idea. And then I heard someone say, like, 
on the radio, I'll tell you something. They said, you know, when you leave, look in the mirror, take one thing off. And when they said that, I was like, no, I won't. <laughs> and then now I wish I had. <laughs> no, I, love, no, I mean, I like fabulous. it, but it feels like it's meant to be on outside. No, no, no. no, no, no Deborah no. only took off her big hat because uh, someone on the bus ripped it off her head. <laughs> uh, otherwise, she would have worn hers as well. To be entirely fair, I do have a big hat, <laughs> but, I, but I've never worn it on a bus, and now I'm going to. <laughs> I mean, it's not a cinema. It's OK to wear a big hat on a bus. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yes, in a cinema, that is rude. It's not on. It's, no. it's really <laughs> but not on. you're fine because you're on the stage. So, okay. yeah, I think you're absolutely fine. It's actually very jaunty. Well, say? yeah, I played with the angle quite a bit before leaving. <laughs> Just a little window into my world. No, I, I love it. It's the guilty feminist, so we love a bit of, you know, chat about jaunty angles of hats right, yeah, and yeah. threading before we get to the hard-hitting feminism. Mm. Uh, oh, I idea. had my eyebrows tattooed. Are we, what, are we really doing this? Yeah, <laughs> yeah go for it. Yeah, talk about your eyebrows. Fine. Well, yeah, no, because I had them... Because my eyebrows just sort of run out about halfway along, so I look like a Labrador. So, <laughs> no, but I... The, <laughs> so I just had enough. So I thought, I'll just get the ends, like, tattooed on. But proper tattoo? Yeah, man. But not, not in a tattoo parlour. So what do you want? Love your mum? No, <laughs> just like the rest of my eyebrows. That's all I want. I just want to look like an oh, actual human. Can you imagine human. if you come up with sailor anchors? Just, you know, <laughs> love like... and hate. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yin and yang. Yeah. 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 Oh, God, well, that wouldn't have been brilliant. I wouldn't have been best pleased, but it worked out. It worked out. Where do they do that? In, a... in some sort of beauty torture chamber type thing. <laughs> wow, did it hurt? Not really, but you know what, they, um... Sorry, I just got distracted. Did someone fart over here? <laughs> Is that what that noise is? No, I'm joking. Um, yeah, sorry, carry on. It was probably a chair, sort of, you know, that thing that you do, and you try and recreate it so everyone knows around you that wasn't a fart, that was the chair. But I just heard it. Was it you? I can't do... We all know so how sorry. Deborah feels about butt stuff. I so can't if you just want to not Oh, really? Sort of... no, oh, you no. got the wrong guest. Okay. <laughs> oh, no, I shouldn't have known that. No, no. <laughs> what was the, the episode where I said the words gaping asshole and you, like, you nearly cried? That one hasn't come out yet. And so it, when it, the week it does, I'm going to have to go away. <laughs> like, just go on holidays or something. And OK. Just, you know, should um, I tell you my poo story now? Or? Oh, no. Because oh, I'm thinking, get it out of the way so yeah. that you can have or a proper... Just, or session. just never tell it. That's oh, the other option. But, it, but this podcast is about sharing <laughs> things it's, with people that you wouldn't... It's just right there. It's right. It's so... You, okay. you can't, it's not it's, even about me. It's like my friend told me, like, when she was little, her brother did this massive poo in the toilet and her mum made her... Because they couldn't flush it. So her mum... Oh, you look so terrified. It's pretty bad. <laughs> um, and her mum made her cut the poo in half with a knife. <laughs> We had so many questions when she told us, like, what happened to the knife? <laughs> like, we're so like, there you go, like, you know, wipe it but on also, the sleeve, back in it, the drawer. Why would it work to cut it? It would still be in the... Would... Right, but it sort of, it makes it, makes it more, um... <laughs> it gives it more aerodynamic, the water oh. equivalent of aerodynamic, so it can get down... Could you just wait it? So it was for, for how long? How long do you an wait? Hour? A good hour? Is no this a half? feminist issue? That's my only question. It bonds us. It, yes, yes. I suppose it's a feminist issue that I can't talk about bodily functions, probably because I feel like it's not feminine at some level. Like, oh, I was taught yeah. that as a child. Yeah. I think it's actually more an aversion to being Australian because I was raised in Australia and there was lots and lots of jokes about the loo. Right. The loo. And... <laughs> When Deborah's about to say Lou, she goes, Louva. <laughs> I was so famous in Australia for, I mean, not the whole, not Australia wide. <laughs> Guys, I'm it's so the pool lady. in Australia. Like, uh, can't walk down the it's a woman there. who doesn't know how to talk about I had to move poo. here because I was so famous there. No, amongst my friends in Australia, I was notorious, so notorious that I had a friend. He was a middle aged man and I was young. He used to ring up in the middle of the night and just say, toilet, 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 and hang up. Uh, <laughs> is it that you? Was that what you could call a friend? At, at one point. <laughs> oh, that's so sweet. You're like, yay. <laughs> it, was, oh, he it was an Australian again. practical joke. And he was about to have a baby. And I said, oh, what are you going to call the baby? And he said, well, if it's a boy, we're going to call him WC. <laughs> after WC Fields. And if it's a girl, we're going to call her Latrine. <laughs> Just for you. 
Um, so I, I have You're a, gonna a get key. so many phone calls from me at like 3 a.m. No. from now on. He's going you have poop, rather poop, set poop. yourself up here, um, I might say. So tell us about L.A., because you are becoming a filmmaker in L.A. That's right, lots of toilets in L.A., a lot of toilets. <laughs> um, I mean, you can't move for toilets. <laughs> In but people's they don't houses. say toilet there, do they? They say bathroom or um, restroom. I tell you what, they it's do... not okay to say toilet there. No, that's right because that's referring to the actual thing. Yes, the actual toilet. You wouldn't say go to the toilet. Literally means yeah. The, it conjures the act, not the room. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, Although but I, I would tend to say loo because I think well, toilet's an ugly word. They do tickle themselves <laughs> by saying loo because do they, they yeah in in on the west coast they're right anglophiles. It's pretty annoying, and so yeah they do love saying loo. It's a bit of a Madonna thing. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. They say, oh, and Andy, do you want to use our loo? And you're like... What, is it just walk through the door? Yeah. <laughs> you look like you need the loo. Because uh, we know you've got a lot of great stories about them. You yeah. just never stop telling them. So we just figured you might want to tell a story here. You bring it out of me. <laughs> I don't go around telling scatological stories. You brought this out of I, me. Yeah. I apologise, and I wish very much to put the genie back in the bottle. <laughs> <laughs> and by genie, I do mean the, the poo bag and the, the poo bag yeah. and the bottle. Someone had to say it. Thank you. So there's one time I'm on holiday, yeah. Oh, no, wait. wait what <laughs> Let's do that. Uh, <laughs> so the reason we're talking about the Bechdel test mm. is... Um, I mean, they're, they're, we haven't spoken about a man, so in some ways... No. This is very feminist. Well, we did talk about the boy's poo. That's uh, right, we did. Uh, classic women. I just... <laughs> oh. It's all men, men, men. Men's poo. <laughs> men and the silent habits. Just to avoid this becoming an episode of Two and a Half Men. <laughs> when you're in Hollywood, do you find a lot that the scripts aren't what you wish they would be? I, no, I would say no, but I think the, the type of roles that I end up going up for are the sort of... The professionals, because I think once you reach a certain age, you're not really, if, especially if you're going up for co-star and guest star type stuff, you're not really ever love interest. I'm not a love interest type of person, like in the casting director's mind. I'm always, you know, the lawyer that's bailing you out of jail or something like that, or the doctor that, you know, is asking for equipment. That's how they do it. Uh, <laughs> give me, give me all the equipment. Um, You've got the part. Yeah, um, that was very good equipment asking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I can do this. Um, so yeah, so I, I get a lot more of that. So I can't say really that anything I've read has offended me as a woman and, and made me feel like this role is being diminished because of the gender of it. I think I've been quite lucky actually. The things that I've read for. And that's interesting that you say when you reach a certain age, you get to play professionals. Yeah. So maybe it's a, it's a, it's an issue. Do you think it's an issue with younger women are always seen as the, the sort of uh, the, the love interest or the sex interest and then you hit a certain age and it's like, now you can carry a stethoscope? Yeah, well, I'm not young enough to be love interest. I'm not old enough to be mom, so I'm professional. You're, you're in the middle, which is lawyer. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm lawyer. You're basically the good wife. You're carrying a file and yeah. you're demanding things, pounding on tables. I can be that. You, you know, like in ER and stuff like that, when like one of the main characters is walking down a corridor and someone stops them and asks them to sign something? That's me. That's the sort of thing <laughs> that they would get me in you, to you, do. You would sign something? And no, then... I would stop them and say, oh, you, would stop you know, them. Carter, sign this thing, but without saying anything. Um, <laughs> and then we go. That's kind of where I'm, I'm pitched at the moment. I'm sort of random doctor. Would you, would you turn anything down if it was like inherently sexist or...? Um, problematic in any sort of way. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I've been up for things more to do with representation of race, to be honest, where I've just looked at this thing where it's an African woman sort of thing. No reference to what country. And <laughs> you're just like... Uh. It's from the continent of Africa. Yes, no, and well, the country of Africa, if you're <laughs> um, from America. So, yeah, stuff like that. But luckily, I haven't been offered those roles because I think I've sort of self-sabotaged a little bit. And <laughs> you, you know, read them sarcastically? <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably. <laughs> Hello, my happen? name is... Oh, no, oh, no don't. <laughs> Made you, have they made you do an African accent? When they yeah, do yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but, but again, generic Africa. So do you well, say from where in Africa? Because there's a lot of accents. Sometimes I do, and sometimes I just freestyle it. Do you? <laughs> because I know they don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I went up for one audition, which I ended up getting, and the role said African or Jamaican. <laughs> wow. <laughs> 
what? what? Just like black other. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. So it turns out, I mean, I saw this film and I have no problem saying this, but there was loads of like really gratuitous sort of racial and sort of gender stereotypes in it and stuff. So it was, yeah. What did you say? Did you tell them in the audition? Well, no, because I was a new actor, so I didn't realise that it was okay to just go, mate, just so you're clear, <laughs> there are countries in Africa and, you know... And Jamaica's not there. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> Jamaica's not one of them, so pick something. Yeah. But he'd obviously, yeah, like he, like you say, he'd obviously just, in his mind, just gone, mm, generic brown, but not from here. <laughs> I have a friend here who's a black actor, and he, uh, there was an audition some years ago that's famous amongst the black acting community because when you went in, they gave you this, like, raster hat that you might buy in Camden Market. One of those hats that had dreadlocks. Yes. And they made the actor put this dreadlock hat on for this Jamaican character and then made them do this really terrible kind of racist patois. It was horrible. And he said, oh, yeah, we all called that the locks audition. That was famous. And for years, people talked about that as, oh, did you go up for the locks audition? And he said it's a bit like uh, Woodstock. Everyone claims they were there but they can't right, possibly yeah, have seen yeah, that many yeah. people for the role. <laughs> that is great. Um, but there is a new a version of the Bechdel test, which is uh, whether or not there are two people of colour and do they speak about something other than a white person? And the answer is hardly ever. Mm. Um, because even movies that are about race, generally there is some magnificent white human being who fixes racism through the course of that 90-minute <laughs> yeah, feature that film. Does, that does rather <laughs> tend to happen. I have my own measure, which I created all by myself. It's called the Big Willie test. So... So, like, if they've not got, if they haven't got, like, great diversity in terms of, like, race, it's how many episodes of The Fresh Prince would you have to watch to offset the lack of black people? (laughs) Do you know what I mean? So, like, Saving Private Ryan, great movie. That's ten big willies, you know what I mean? You've got to watch a lot of, like, Fresh Prince to be able to offset the absence of any brown people. So it's like carbon offsetting. Yeah, you have to to plant trees if you're going to take a long-haul flight. Uh, Totally, totally. So, similarly, I want to watch, like, one of Sophie's whiter Tarantino films. Yeah. I would have to watch, like, a full box set of early Fresh Prince. Yeah, you, we have to line Will Smith's pockets pretty good after a Tarantino film. Right. But what, I, I watched Fresh Prince every single day for, like, five years of my life when I was a teenager. So you've earned it. So I can s- just... You've got a lot yeah, in the bank. Yeah. I, I never have to. I feel I'm going to need more Fresh Prince in the bank. You do, Deborah. Is there, is there anything else I could watch that isn't Fresh Prince? No. Because I find Fresh Prince somewhat <gasps> don't, don't. Pro- problematic. Oh, oh, that's why it's Scatology, oh, Deborah. I know, I do. I Are do. you kidding? No, because, no. Well, it's more male than female experience, isn't it, the Fresh Prince? Uh, like, women there's... in that are often the subject of Will Smith's advances. Mm, well, no. you got the sister. She's kind of... Vacuous and superficial. Right. Then you've got the mother who changes face every episode. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Then... And she's sort of also one of those American sitcom moms that actors always complain about because she spoils the fun. And the oh, actor, yeah, yeah the, the actor who plays the, the mother in Modern Family, I've heard her interviewed and she said, I just try and find a way that for my character, I'm going, no, we'll have more fun if we obey the rules so that I don't feel like a killjoy in every episode because mm. I'm not always saying, hey, fun people, stop having fun while I make you do your homework slash make my husband do something sensible because often women get those roles where they're the nag and then they're widely hated. Yeah, right. Um, I see what you mean in, in terms of uh, Vivian in Fresh Prince, but at the same time, she was never, like, he, Phil... Uh, uncle Phil, never, like, never. Do you wish Uncle Phil was your uncle? Oh, oh God, rest in peace. Oh my, that, yeah, rest in peace. He, um, but he was never like in like everyone loves Ray. Is that what it's called? Where he's always like everyone Ugh. loves Raymond. Yeah. yeah, he's always like a bit cuckold, like ooh. Where in, in like Uncle Phil was like worshipped Vivian, and when she made a good point, he would be like, oh, of, of course, my love, I love you, and it was very. Uh, that's exactly how he spoke. Uh, <laughs> of course, my love, I, I love you. But there were some really powerful moments in Fresh Prince where the women got to speak up and go, don't talk to me like that, don't do that. So yeah, Will Smith was a bit of a baddie, um, which also he was ch- told he was him in, in all the the letters I wrote to him when I was ten. I was like, oh, oh you're a bit of a baddie, but uh, I love you. Come visit me. Uh, <laughs> 
in Denmark. <laughs> but there was some really when, when you rewatch it, of course, there's a, like it's from the nineties. It's of course there are problematic stuff in it, but there are also some pretty powerful. Like when yeah. is it Queen Latifah who plays? his girlfriend at one point, and there's this whole, like, fat, uh, positive thing where she goes, are you ashamed of being with me because I look like this? And then he, like, changes his mind. He's like, oh, I'm an idiot. I, I am in love with you. And it's this, of course, they don't end up being a couple for longer than one episode, which hasn't changed till now when Louis C.K. did the same thing. But still, she got to say it, and it was the 90s. Yeah, no, absolutely. Do you know Will Smith? Because I feel like <laughs> you know that's why Sophie wanted you on the podcast now. <laughs> are you friends with Will Smith in L.A.? I wish I was friends with Will. He's kind of a bit scary, actually. Is, this, is, yeah. he, is he a Scientologist or no? Yeah, he yes. is. something know. like his kids only have like one outfit or something. Also, can I just, just say, I didn't go... I feel go, like that's an internet can I just, can, thing. Can I please, his kids only have one outfit. Can I, can I just say, I, need, I feel like I really need to say that I yeah. didn't go, Andy Osho, does she know Will Smith? No, she didn't say that. That's <laughs> a joke. I realised, I agree, because people <laughs> didn't really laugh at that. They were like, yeah, that sounds plausible. <laughs> oh, right, that I would actually... No, no, that Sophie oh, would have wanted said you it. on. Right, Because okay. I was like, hey, do you know Will Smith? That's why she wanted you on. And everyone went, yeah, that sounds right. Classic Sophie. And Classic Sophie. Sophie. It's just clarifying. It's just clarifying. She That's wanted not... you for yourself, not just for right. your best friendship with right. Will Smith. But if you do know him, but in all seriousness, have do coffee. Know. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll see what I can do. I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, OK, great. Good, good, good. One can that? I just ask about yeah. that Louis C.K. fat... Episode. Yeah, you want to go there? I really do, actually. Fuck that guy, I'm sorry. Oh, really? What oh, happened? Oh, fuck that guy. He did this, and it was so praised in such a long time, this whole... So it was an episode, uh, there's this uh, fat waitress who's funny, makes him laugh, like, they're such a good match. She's and... hot, by the way, as well. Oh, yeah, yeah, like, objectively, beautiful. billboard, pretty, blonde... But uh, fat. But fat. But and, she's uh, so she's like, she pretty. asks him out, offers him like uh, tickets for like a, a really f like a fancy football game of American football or whatever. And uh, who cares? And he's like, like, okay, I guess we can uh, go to this game together. Uh. And then she does this long speech about how it's really difficult being fat when people don't want to hold your hand in the street and people can't know that they're with you because you're fat and blah, 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 why does blah, 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 all of that. And it's true. Like, she has a point where she's like, it's a bit difficult when people are, feel like they're ashamed of being with me. And then he goes, because he's such a good guy. <laughs> Guys, he, he takes her hand. Yeah. And then he, uh, he tells her a fat joke. And she's like, ha, 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 end scene. And we never hear of her again. Yeah. And everyone, in the beginning, people were like, oh, my God, this is amazing. This is so fat positive. I can't, oh, what a wonderful, lovely guy. And then I was like, wait a minute, that is fucking bullshit. I found it very unfat positive. I was so surprised that the response was, this is fat positive. Like, because he clearly really likes her. Like, he's laughing at all of her jokes. He's watching her from afar. She asks him out and he oh, wants yeah. to go out. Oh, with the also, he's like, in this series, it's not like he's dated like these women who are just so, like, he's dated all these different women with different personality traits, but most of them have been like insane. Where she was at least, like, she's the first woman he's met in this whole series who's like, well, apart from what's her face, but still, it's not like she, did, she couldn't just be fat. And like just a bit quirky or a bit boring or a bit, she had to be like like mind blowing, like a symmetrical face, like beautiful in order for him to even look. This is a guy who like wanks under a table whilst eating ice cream and crying, and he's still like, oh, fat women, no, thank you. <laughs> like, go fuck yourself. I'm oh, sorry. <clears throat> Are you friends with Louis C.K.? <laughs> um, uh, not now. <laughs> sorry. No, it's, it's a funny old thing because as much as it's interesting when people make those alternative choices, you're sort of, yay, and then you're like, oh, why is this seen as an alternative? Why is a larger girl as a love interest for the main person such a weird thing? Yeah. Like, are we really still there? Like, I had an argument, or a discussion, let's say, with a friend of mine, and I was saying that the role that I'd been asked to read for was a lawyer who ends up being the love interest of one of the two main characters, and they put in the breakdown, Jermaine, not Jermaine Greer, um, who's that woman? Not Jermaine Greer. <laughs> it's totally not Jermaine Greer. Gloria Steinem? No, it's a black woman who is... Bonnie Greer? 
Queen Latifah. No, it's, I don't even think it's a Pam Greer. Pam Greer. Okay, right. let's take that again because we can edit that out. No, <laughs> no, keep it in the Jermaine Greer. No, um, yeah, so, so, yeah, so they put Pam Greer in the description mm. of the thing. And I said to my mate, I said, listen, I'm not going to get this role because of the love interesting. If it was about lawyering, <laughs> lawyer up because our show's in town. But, you know, if it's about love interest, I'm not seen in that way by casting directors. And it's very odd that you say that for me because I think you are stereotypically attractive. In if terms I of saw how they you see. In a poster on a bus stop with your back to Matthew McConaughey. All oh, right. <laughs> I wouldn't be like, oh, that's odd. You would look Oh, I just right. thought of that poster. Like, in Madhouse, when they met, it was crazy. I just thought of that. I literally just thought yeah, of that. Yeah. That's what I would yeah. do with him. If he goes back to doing the rom-coms, that's what I'll do with him. No, but, I mean... That, <laughs> that... I will call... I've got him on speed dial. Oh, I great. Fabulous. mention it. Um, but uh, that's how... That's... But yeah, you could be... You could have your back to Matthew McConaughey. No, I couldn't. Not odd. skinny enough, um, too old, dark skin. They don't go for that sort of... You never see a woman with my complexion in a relationship with a white guy, unless oh, it's about true. the fact that it's a dark-skinned woman. You know, in, in uh, How to Get Away with Murder, that's the only time you see it. Viola Davis oh, gets to do yeah. it, so nobody else can now for a while. <laughs> I'm not shading her, but I'm just saying, you know, that's where we are, the industry is, in terms of that like, was norms. A, what was, there was, just a, was there a music video quite recently? I don't know the names of those people, the music people, but they, they said they only Any wanted... Any of them? <laughs> Beyonce. Well, yeah, it wasn't her. Rihanna. Oh, it would never be her. This is a bad one. It's a man. Can, yeah. Kanye West. Probably, maybe. Is it the, the one with the Tell girls us, dancing? It's the one where he only wanted uh, the, the casting call for the, I think the dancers in the video were uh, mixed race. Mm -hmm. uh, and he wouldn't go. Like, and there was a big talk about how the thing was they couldn't be dark skinned. Yeah, right. Couldn't be too dark skinned. That was recently that that happened. I think with Kanye oh, West, they like like black women should be light skinned. Yeah, yeah, because more that's the sort what of Jada Pinkett sort of. Um, that's Zoe what happened Sardana. with Vivian in Fresh Prince. Uh, the first Vivian was quite dark skinned, and then the next Vivian. In oh, the was, next I thought it was season, the other way around. Was it so the darker skinned yeah. woman was first? And yeah, then, and then they got. Yeah, and then um, the network went, "Could you bring this same person only in a bit paler?" Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it was the '90s, so people went, "Yeah, sure." That yeah. sounds reasonable. I mean, but it sounds like they're still doing it. Yeah, they would probably still do that now. We fixed that now. We haven't. Yeah, so that's interesting. But if I can see what you're saying about you wouldn't have your back to Matthew McConaughey, but if it was Will Smith? Oh, well, they, yeah, but then it would become a black film because this is why in Hitched he had um, Eva Mendes as his love interest rather than... she was Hispanic. A, yeah. yeah, yeah. So if it was... Um, uh, Who can I have my back to? Let's see. Because um, <laughs> we want to leave this on so the positive if it, note. If, it was, if you had your back to Will Smith, the movie would have to be called For Shizzle. Yeah, exactly. And it would only play in black cinemas. Exactly. Um, no, uh, no, one no one else would, would want to see yeah. it. No one else would know it was on. But also, oh, oh it, like, in terms of fatness, because I watched that one, what's it called? How to Be Single, where Rebel Wilson is being really cool. But then, so she like, facts all these guys, and that's great. But they're all so fat. So it's like, oh, okay. yeah, okay. That's the thing with the Louis C.K. thing. I feel, honestly feel like if he had just had that woman for the week, he often changes the love interest, be mm. fat and not commented yeah, on exactly. it. That is radical. Yeah. That is the only radical thing you can do. And it is also real fucking life mm. because, you know, I've been all sorts of sizes and I've been all sorts of sexually interesting to all sorts of people. Sorry to my husband who's standing there with a microphone. <laughs> but, and also, I look around me and I think, I go to America, I see fat people holding hands in the street, I see fat people holding hands with thin people. I don't see this big thing where a woman's like, oh, no one's ever held hands with me in the street because they'd be too ashamed. It's America. Are you serious? There's plenty of fat people holding hands with all sorts of people. Let's go and what find is... my ex-boyfriend because he's really hot. <laughs> And we can say, let's come on, go. It's really. Let's all go. Reese, we're doing this. We need to prove a point. We should do a Q&A. We should ask if people have any questions, which I assume they do, because there's always one at least. Hello. I wanted to ask you about gender swap movies and how they're coming in and what you think about that, because I loved Ghostbusters and I thought it was really amazing what they did with the female characters and they were just women but it wasn't about them being women but then they announced even more and I kind of feel like why can't we just write female characters that are female characters that men haven't done already we're not we, we deserve more than their cast offs I don't want to be like have a second go at something but then I wrote an article about that and everyone was like well but it's women in film that's what you want so I wondered what <laughs> there you go little lady 
you got your own little Ghostbusters. Yeah. <laughs> Ghostbusterette. Enjoy. Exactly. You're the stepchild. Be fucking grateful you're, gonna, you're getting a hand-me-down coat at all. Otherwise, you'll just freeze in the cold, is basically the response. But we yeah. barely have, like, women playing... Like women, like there's so many. What is it, Mrs. Brown's bias? Is that a man with a wig on? And what's the one with Robin Williams? Where it's also Mrs. Doubtfire. Where it's also a man with a. I well, know. I do know that's like, the theme of the film. But I still. mean, there was other stuff in between. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> the two. This is not only me, Mrs. Doubtfire, Mrs. Brown's boys. There have been other. Can I just say there's a, there's a sketch show in Denmark uh, where they now have a female writer, which is very good because then they don't have to bother with anything else. And uh, mm. even when they do their little tiny sketches, uh, I'm, it's not that I'm mad at them or anything. But uh, even when they have, so everyone on the writing team plays in the sketches apart from the woman writer, but they do often have women in their sketches, but when they do that, it's the male writer with a wig on. I um, agree with you about the Ghostbusters thing. I, th I suppose they, I could applaud them for sort of rebooting it with women, but I, I totally get what you're saying. It's just like, why can't they just have original stories or find new um, intellectual property that has women in the fore. Like, so many films have done so well with, you know, women... Like, um, you know, the Hunger Games franchises, like, big movies that do well with women in lead roles. And they're making Ocean's Eleven now with an all-female cast. I and the problem that. with it is that it just sets the cast members up for so much criticism because mm. it isn't the producers, it's not Sony that takes the hit for these things, it's fucking Leslie Jones on Twitter mm. just getting hounded off, mm. off a social media platform and, you know, almost a lightning rod for, you know, hateful trolls and stuff like that. So, fine, go ahead and, you know, make all these things, probably because they've got the IP for it still so they need to use it while they've got the licence for it or whatever, but just do us a favour and just, like, make films that also feature women that aren't just chatting about blokes and can be big box office sellers. Do you think it's a necessary segue? Yeah, possibly. Like, that it's part of the journey towards the idea that we could write a brand new film that has a science element and a supernatural element for women in the same way that people got very annoyed that Eddie Redmayne played a transgender woman in The Danish Girl when there are actual transgender actors out there. But... If Eddie Redmayne makes that famous and then the next time they go, oh, okay, now we use a transgender actor, it might just be a point on the, on the graph towards inclusivity. Possibly. Hopefully, hopefully it's a step towards Hope, it. We, should, we have to demand that it is. I'm just, I'm just tired of it. <laughs> it feels like it's like a kindergarten thing of like, okay, you can have your milk if you eat your carrots. And like, we're all adults, and it should be possible to just go straight in for the all-female cast. We have to eat the carrots. I think that's what I've learned. And Don't the carrots are obvious meta obviously metaphors for penises. <laughs> <laughs> They're very funny. I can't unthink that now. Um, <laughs> on the Eddie Redmayne thing, I think that, um, you know, everyone's got a price next to them. Every, every movie star's got a price. And so he's going to generate a certain amount of box office draw as opposed to an actual transgender actor who is unknown isn't. And so, therefore, the money's not going to come, you know. What I'm hoping is that a transgender actor will become famous enough. But unless we've got films about transgender issues... It's, yeah. it, it doesn't develop so that then transgender actors will be used and then a transgender actor will be famous enough and so on and so on. Yeah. So I feel like some people were very angry about it and I was like, but it's a realistic... I've, I've started to think recently that we need people who are realistic and we need people who are radical. Yeah. And they need to work in tandem. That the radical people, basically, whatever happens, go, it's not fucking good enough. Mm -hmm. And I really notice this at the moment. Like, any time you try and be more inclusive, someone goes, you're not being inclusive in the right way. It's not good enough. Mm -hmm. And it's very discouraging sometimes. And you go, I still haven't got it right, you know, or it's still not good enough. But you need that radical voice pushing on the real-world people. So I feel like I want to be a real-world solution person, mm -hmm. but I also want the radical shouting, it's not good enough. And we need to work together. Yeah. One more quick question. No, 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 we, yeah, that's minutes. a ten minute. We have to do that, 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 oh and that. God. Wow. And, so, and obviously, I've and got the... to close with my poo story. <laughs> Am I right, guys? No. Do okay. You, no. Do you, you is can there do anything? One is, quick one. No. Or you can plug something. Is there anything you want to <laughs> plug? Either way. <laughs> well, I can kill two birds with one stone. <laughs> 
Um, so I was on holiday. And... <laughs> Um, yeah, so, right, right, I'll do this I'll quickly, right? So I was in this, like, apartment. It has a really, like, nice open-air atrium outside, and the rooms were next to each other, but they were kind of opposite, so the bathrooms were next to each other. And there was this family in the room next door to us that were just, like, Mormons or something. They never spoke to each other at breakfast. It was just, like, cutlery against crockery, like, and we were just like, God, these people were just, like, so weird. Like, why don't people ever talk to each other on holiday? Just like, I hate you, or whatever. <laughs> it's, like, what they're thinking, but they don't talk to each other. So I was there with my boyfriend, sorry to talk about a boy, but um, <laughs> a man. Um, so the mum, she left the table and she went upstairs. Oh, I, I went upstairs as well, went to our room, which is next door to them to pack and stuff because we were going for a day out sort of thing. And the mum had gone into her room and I was in our room just packing my bag and I heard like from the next door room, sort of, <laughs> I was like, oh dear, she's having a bit of a tricky poo. And uh, we all have it, we're on holiday, you know, unfamiliar foods and stuff like that. But then... <laughs> Can I hug you through Then, that? no, no, it's not, it's not that bad. But then, like, literally, um, after I heard the... I heard my boyfriend go, I can hear you. <laughs> because the windows were next to each other, he thought it was me. <laughs> so he had said through this woman's window, <laughs> I can hear you. <laughs> I mean, it must have just shot straight back up inside her because it's a random male voice coming in. <laughs> worth it, worth it. That was, that was it. I'm te- look, there That's you go. Perfect. Still got all the time. And, and is there any lawyer show we should be watching out to see you in, Andy? <laughs> um, <laughs> no lawyers, although I do play a child protective services lady in Lights Out, which uh, I think might still be in cinemas, but otherwise it will be on DVD very soon. Mm. Cool. And are you on Twitter, social media? Yes, all the social medias. <laughs> <laughs> good, so good. I should find you as Andy Osho on any of the yeah, social Yeah, I think it might be the Andy Osho, like, with a W at the end and stuff. I do, oh. yeah, Instagram. I like periscoping. I periscope quite a bit. Oh, oh, do you? Yeah, yeah. It's kind of... Once you get past, like, all the racism and the misogyny, it's quite a fun <laughs> platform. Like, you just get people going, nigger! And then, like, you're just like, all right, let that go, let that go. All right, block him, block her. <laughs> and then it's quite fun. Wow. <laughs> yeah. No, it's something to behold like people are just like you know I can block you right you're only going to get one shot at this and that's how you're going to use it nigga <laughs> and, then they, and then they're gone it's like you might want to cut this I don't know <laughs> no I'm not cutting this I'm not cutting this. You, you live with that on Periscope um, uh, Deborah, do you have anything you want to plug uh, yes um, I'm doing Global Pillage please come and watch it live and also go to globalpillage.net it is a diversity placed uh, comedy panel show uh, Sophie do you have anything to plug I have my own little podcast called made of human which is me talking to people uh, who are like a bit weird and introverted as well and we talk about how how to do life <laughs> how to because i don't know sometimes or all the all the time yeah it's uh made of human on itunes and stuff so and it's all on all the other social media as well so if you want to listen to that that would be great if you feel like you can relate to that uh yeah we're on twitter at guilty fem part and on facebook at the guilty feminist podcast and on instagram at the guilty feminist go find guilty feminist on itunes and give us a five-star rating no deborah star or no <laughs> You know what? Why would you tell them to not give it a five-star rating? I usually say give it as many stars as you see fit. (gasps) But you've seen Uh, the light? But tonight (laughs) is a special night, so I'm going to say give it five stars. (laughs) Oh, we're going to be all over iTunes now. (laughs) Finally! And come and see our live shows again. Uh, there are still tickets. I think September and October have sold out, but there might be like a couple more that they're releasing. And then December, there's a show here. So please come back and see us again and in the new year. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for our fabulous guest, Andy Osho. <laughs> uh, I found my old diary from when I was... Uh, when I was 16, and that was <laughs> cringeworthy as fuck. Uh, if you don't know this, this is my uh, my last episode for uh, probably quite a while. I'm going on a break from the Guilty Feminist, which means that Deborah will be taking over with some, uh, I guess, good guest hosts or whatever. Uh, <laughs> just like people you've never heard of, like Sarah Pascoe. Uh, <laughs> so I want to read you something from my teenage diary. It's a list I made called, When I'm Skinny, (laughs) oh, the dreams. When I'm skinny, 
I will be able to wear a bikini or a swimsuit to the beach this summer. I will get better confidence. My sex life will improve as I won't be afraid of how I look. Guys will be looking at me, eyeing me and be flirtatious. My boyfriend will feel like a luckier guy. I don't know why he didn't look at me, I mean, anyways. <laughs> I'll be able to go shopping without crying in the dressing room. I'll be a size large or less, maybe even a medium or less. That's more a factual thing. <laughs> I can wear sleeveless shirts. I won't envy other girls. I'll be better in the gym because I know I look great. I won't sweat as much, which means I'll be able to ride my bike to school without looking like a sweating pig. People will tell me how great I look. Martinez will bawl his eyes out. It was this guy I'd been really in love with who'd rejected me. People will say they're proud of me. I will have achieved the one thing I still need to achieve, which is saying a lot, because I was 16. <laughs> look, if I'm skinny, I'm done. <laughs> and then the last one, I can have lesbian sex. <laughs> no idea. No idea. I don't even think I knew I was bisexual at this point. <laughs> I was just like, oh, you have to be skinny to have lesbian sex. I don't know how that works. <laughs> and that was 11 years ago. And I didn't become a feminist till I moved to the UK. I was like, I was a sexist person. I was a it was internalized misogyny. And then now it's only been... 10 months since we started doing this and I've like had strangers uh, take photographs of me naked I've tackled uh, I hope you've heard that episode otherwise it sounds very <laughs> I've tackled my eating disorder I'm trying to make sure that on the tour I'm going on now there'll be hopefully gender neutral toilets everywhere I'm uh, we've done so many challenges and I have a column in a Danish women's magazine a feminist column what the fuck is that uh, I'm doing, on next Tuesday, I'm doing a, a speech to 400 young girls in, in Denmark about uh, feminism, and I only have eight minutes, and I need to... Like, 11 years ago, I would have been in that audience, and now I get to speak to them. And I think... I'm a very stubborn person, so every single time we've done a challenge, that has turned something in me, and we have did a challenge about hair. I just stopped shaving, and now I don't give a shit about that. That's pretty extraordinary that something like this can change something in people. And if it's changed just like a tiny bit of that same thing in, in just one of our listeners, that's... If, if there's one of our listeners who's also 16 at the moment who feels the exact same way as I felt, if I could have heard this when I was 16, I mean, that is extraordinary. So what I want to say is thank you for giving us the opportunity to do this because this has been life-changing for me. So thank you so much. Like the, in terms of just the practical stuff of doing this podcast, everything I've like my only job has been to have the Instagram account, and I forgot the password. <laughs> I, I've done like like five percent of the work that goes into doing this podcast. What our producer Tom and what Deborah has done in terms of how much energy and money and time they put into this is fucking extraordinary. So please give it up for them as well. So I just want to say this has been an amazing 10 months for me and has totally changed my life. Um, and... Um... You promised me you wouldn't oh, cry. Oh, I'm trying not to, but I'm trying not to look at you. When she said she wasn't going to cry, I, I took that as a challenge. Um, and I was like, so, I was um, going to bring, like, tissues to mark her, but now she cried anyway, so, so challenge yeah, so, one. Um, it feels like um, there was just like a sort of com complicity, you know, where we came together and we were just having brunch and I was like, hey, why don't we do a podcast? And then there's clearly something in the zeitgeist. I think it's mostly that women are thirsty for something that's about them, that's, you know, not filtered You're not qualifying, are you? through them. No, but <laughs> yeah, probably. But, um, but I feel like just the fact that our little lunches have become something that has spoken to so many people in such an amazing way and so many people email us all the time and say, I stood up to my boss, I said no to the sexual harassment, I drew a line in the sand, I'm not going to apologize anymore, I, I went and applied to do my PhD. 
and even really more important things about people who've gone and reported a rape or, you know, they've just starting, women starting to stand up for themselves. And I think something about it being guilty feminism that, hey, I don't have to be completely perfect in order to be able to inhabit this space. So I just want to say, so thanks so much for like daring to co-create this with me because I was like nervous. I was like, oh my God, if we put it on the internet, we're going to get kicked out of the club. <laughs> so I was like, no, I'm pretty sure other people feel like this. And it's been such a privilege to work with you. I've learned so much from you. I've learned so much about body positivity and inclusivity. And I just love it. I love, you know, everything that we do together. You make me laugh so much. I'm going to miss you so much. It's not going to be the same. Hopefully I can build something, a new chapter and reboot. Um, it's just going to be like the rebooted Ghostbusters. Um, <laughs> hopefully. So I don't know. How many of you listened to the episode about shoes this week? Yeah. Okay, you might have heard in it that one of Sophie's I'm a Feminist parts was, I'm a feminist, but somebody gave me this really boring documentary <laughs> and about feminism, and I hid it under my bed and didn't show it to you because I felt really guilty. But oh, it was no. like hours long, and it was black and white. I said, what was it called? She said, I don't know, suffragette blah, blah. <laughs> and so I was like, suffragette blah, blah. We might as well rename this podcast suffragette blah, blah. And so people this week were hashtagging suffragette blah, blah. <laughs> And so Tom and I have a DVD for you. Oh, no. Um, and uh, it's, um, uh, it's called <laughs> Suffragette Blah Blah uh, with Sophie Hagen and Deborah Francis-White. And the quote on the front is very long variety. Um, oh, that's amazing. Then, Thank you. I was so afraid you were going to give it back to me and be like, watch it. No, no. Oh, it's so good. Um, no, on the back, um, it says, uh, this classic movie from 1938 finally comes to DVD in its full length for the first time. <laughs> when originally released, studio executives slashed the picture to a mere 275 minutes. <laughs> the footage was thought lost forever, but now archivists have managed to uncover a further 30 reels of film <laughs> and have finally restored this masterpiece to its full length. And then there's a quote from the New York Times, seriously, this thing goes on for fucking ever. Um, <laughs> Uh, Entertainment Weekly says really much longer and more boring than I was expecting <laughs> Monthly Film Bulletin says do you know it's in black and white too? I mean seriously uh, uh, Hollywood Reporter says I left and came back two days later and it was still going on <laughs> and Sophie Hagen says under my bed where it belongs That's um, amazing I would put that on Instagram if I could remember the password <laughs> um, Oh thank you so much If you open it up you'll see the DVD inside Amazing, it's dirty dancing. <laughs> She's never seen it. She's never seen it. It's, about um, it's, my, it's the very guiltiest part of my guilty feminism. Um, oh, that's so, so Thank you so Did much. Did you Photoshop yourself on the cover? Uh, no, okay. Tom did it. Um, <laughs> you have been listening to The Guilty Feminist with me, Sophie Hagen, Deborah Francis Wright, and guest, and Yasha. We're recording into the show. Music And everyone at Pink Space as well as all of you for listening. For more information about this and other episodes, Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.